time for your heart-stopping news-packed 60 minutes of radio drilling. Webmaster Radio presents The Pulse. Take your seat among the experts in the search engine marketing arena. This weekly radio show keeps you informed of the latest search news, offers insight on the biggest forum discussions, and puts your finger on the pulse of the search marketing community. Our hosts have made their way to the round table. The Pulse, the Pulse. starts now. Hello and welcome to the Search Pulse. Today is Tuesday, May 8th, the 29th edition. One more edition and we're at the 630 edition. And with, um, this, my name is Barry Schwartz. I'm from the Search Edition Roundtable. Um, I work at Rusty Brick. And with me today is Chris Boggs, the Associate Editor of the Search Engine Roundtable, who works in the SEO department as a search strategist at Avenue A Razorfish. Ben Pfeiffer cannot be with us today. Um, he normally is, but he can't be with us today because he's with a client, I think, making big bucks right now. So uh, we've got special to Ben. Hopefully, you are doing pretty well with that new client. Um, hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, we learned what uh, Ben's priorities are this week. Uh, they match probably with everyone else's. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm excited for him that he's got a good client meeting and we'll miss him. But I think uh, we'll be able to pull it off. Cool. It's definitely, and um, if you missed last week's show, uh, we post. I just posted a link to it in the chat room, at, which is at webmasterradio.fm. Um, you can also get the archive over at, just go to seroundtable.com, click on archives, and then scroll down to the category of search pulse, and you'll be able to see all the past um, archives that are currently available to you. Um, and you can listen to it and see more commentary on it over there. Um, the big news this week... Uh, it was a lot about Microsoft and Yahoo in a possible discussion about merging. Maybe Yahoo would be bought by Microsoft, uh, maybe for $50 billion or whatever. Um, a lot of, lot of discussion. It was like, took up the whole entire page of Tech Me one day. Um, and uh, nobody knows if it's going to come true or not. People just think it's just rumors. Uh, a lot of people would like to see it. I'm sure Google would not like to see it, but I'm sure a lot of people would like to see that happened because that would give Yahoo some more edge, but yet maybe some people wouldn't from Yahoo want to see because Yahoo is more of a free-flowing company and Microsoft is more of a you know a more rigid and sturdy kind of company. So um, yeah, I mean I wanted to get you know Chris's thoughts on this whole topic. So Chris, what are your thoughts overall? Well, I wish that um, I could just buy them both and then really uh, come up with some amazing competition for Google. Now I, you know this is an interesting conversation. Obviously, it's a very lucrative uh, possibility, I think, in my opinion, for, for both Yahoo and MSN um, to really form uh, sort of a strong foe to Google and also just to move forward with, with their own, you know, dual brand. Uh, I think they both have a great amount of assets and they both have strengths. Uh, you know, they obviously both have some weaknesses. Um, you know, Tamara wrote it up nicely um, at the blog, and w- the way that she split it apart, I think the one <laughs> the one thing that would cause the most discussion amongst SEOs is what about rankings and whose search engine would take over, you know. Um, you, she says that it's a good point that the deal would be bad and some of us could rank good in one engine and poorly in the other. I think we'd all <laughs> agree that uh, if it was, you know, MSNs that took over right now, that would probably be the lesser choice. Uh, so there would be some, some serious uh, conversation about that, especially since MSN has really 
uh, put in a lot more recently into its uh, algorithm. And actually, this is kind of related to the topic we're going to talk to in a minute uh, in regards to the no robots uh, or the no content robots thing. Maybe maybe Yahoo's uh, technology is a little bit behind uh, MSNs, even though MSNs obviously need some tweaking. So there could be some great, um, you know, some some great uh, growth in in the combined um, um, assets of both of those companies. So it would be exciting to see, I think. Right. You also have to keep into account that when Yahoo purchased AltaVista, Ink to Me, and all the web, they did a pretty good job merging all those different search technologies into their own, which is Yahoo Search. So I would, I mean, I'm personally of the opinion that Microsoft is way behind Yahoo in terms of their algorithms and where they could be. Um, so I think they have the expertise to actually go ahead and merge the best parts of the Microsoft algorithm into their own algorithm and maybe come out with a new name or maybe keep them separate. In my opinion, it wouldn't make sense to merge any of the brands into one specific brand. Um, obviously, keep one algorithm might be, make sense. You have one search team, but the brands themselves obviously, would, I think, would stay separate for a while. Um, but it would be interesting to see what, how that would happen, who would, you know, who would handle that. Um, where would Terry Sell go versus, you know, Steve Berkowitz and all these different names in the different companies? Um, so it would be fairly interesting, in my opinion. What do you think in terms of the competition with Google? Uh, I mean, there's obviously some varied opinion on that. Um, you know, some, some people think that uh, it's good news for Google and others would think that it's bad news for Google. I mean, what's your opinion on that? I mean, I think it would be pretty... I mean, I don't think it would be Google would like that news. I mean... Yahoo has the culture that Google might be ha- might might have, and Microsoft definitely has the money that you know Yahoo wants. I mean, Yahoo does pretty well, but I mean, adding Microsoft, you know, behind them is pretty big. So I don't think Google would like to see this happen. Um, right now, Google is dominating both together, but if you merge them, I don't know. I don't know if Google would like to see that happen. I'm sure Google won't comment on it. So I mean, it's I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, you know, I think Google would probably benefit from it. They have such a great infrastructure in place that if you put a, a huge competition in front of them, you know, there's going to be so many more groups that are actually feeling uh, important over there, you know, based on the rumors that you hear about how, you know, only one out of ten of the groups working on a project over there is, you know, is guaranteed that their project is ever even going to go live. So uh, you would think that maybe something like that would actually spur up and increase the morale at Google. I'm not saying that there's bad morale at Google, but if I was inside there, I would take it as a challenge and, uh, and want to do even better than I'm already doing. All right, so let's move on to the next topic. You, you talked about it a little bit. Yahoo has um, added a new robot tag. It's called the Robots No Content Tag. Basically, it allows a webmaster or SEO specify what parts of the content of the page should be indexed and which parts should not. Not necessarily indexed, but be considered um, content the search engine should care about. So basically, all you do is put this in a class tag. You, you wrap it around the class tag, which is, um, robots hyphen no content. And what this tells Yahoo to do is basically um, do not factor in this content as the main content of this page. So obviously if you have navigational elements and you say and you think these navigational elements are not related to the content or if you have advertisements and you don't want the advertisements to be considered part of the content or if you have very long legal disclaimers at the bottom of each page, etc., 
etc. If you have all these different things that just fill up the page and they're not really specific content towards the topic of the page and the, and the article of the, on the page, then you can use these tags to tell Yahoo that this is not content that um, you should look at closely in terms of ranking the page, but it's just, you know, stuff like that. It doesn't mean that Yahoo won't be counting the links. It doesn't mean that Yahoo won't be looking at the content on that page. Uh, it just means that Yahoo will be looking at it um, and not looking at it less and maybe not counting content towards the relevancy of that page. Um, there's a whole entire document about this and how it works, and, and Yahoo gets pretty detailed in terms of how this works. So overall, I mean, it's pretty good, and I wanted to get your feedback, Chris, on it. Uh, you faded out a little there. Did you say you wanted my feedback? Yeah, please. Um, should I channel Ben here, or should I go with me? I think I'll go with me. Uh, <laughs> my own uh, opinion on this is that I just look at it. I think it's you know it's good uh, in in theory and so forth. But to me, it's again it's a situation where the search engines are trying to make us do more work for them. I would hope that their algorithm would be sophisticated enough to determine which section of a page is the navigational menu and which section is the boilerplate legal disclaimer. Although I mean you know there's plenty of times where. Uh, uh, maybe that has seemed to be uh, possible duplicate content in some sites, especially if they slightly change the legal disclaimer. So, you know, this could be a good one uh, for um, the boilerplate legal disclaimer, for example, uh, that that was put in there um, in the in the post. I think uh, first of all, you did a great job writing up on this, and uh, I still need to read Danny's write up on it as well. And uh, I'd like to. Um, you know, get, get a little bit more of a handle on this topic uh, before I talk too much more to it. No problem. All right, so let's move on. That was a good thing. Let's move on to a whole big debate about Matt Cutts and how he fought back against the Forbes article about condemned to Google Hell. Um, Jim Boykin pretty much made that phrase, Google, the term Google Hell, um, popular. It's basically about being thrown into the supplemental index. And Jim Boykin a long time ago said, you know, this is considered by him Google Hell. Um, I totally understand that. Google, Google has been trying to pass off the supplemental index as something that you shouldn't be worried about. It's perfectly fine. But the bottom line is you really don't see um, search listings for competitive keywords or even not so competitive keywords rank in the main search results with a label under it saying supplemental index. You only find it for very obscure queries or site command queries that limit it to just a specific site. That being said... Um, there's a Forbes article discussing how people in, this, in the supplemental index find themselves to be in Google Hell because their sites don't rank, and then there's monetary issues, yada, yada, yada. It's a pretty detailed article. It goes over the small business issues and stuff like that. So I found it pretty interesting. Matt Cutts went in and wrote his article about how some of the sites in that index, um, in that article, were actually you know, doing some type of spamming techniques and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun to see that. Um, Chris, I don't know if you had time to look at that or not, but we'd love your thoughts. I haven't had much time to look at it, but this is a very interesting story as well. Um, I think that this is a, one of those arguments that comes up fairly often, and uh, it's sort of the plight of the common man story when it comes to uh, SEO and, and, and uh, you know, sort of the big brother Google and, 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 of course, Yahoo and MSN and even Ask to some extent. And if a site is not, is not doing well in there, you know, uh, essentially, they they feel that they should be represented, and, uh, and really often it does come down to sort of what Matt's hitting at with some of the sites, in that they're doing something wrong and they're trying to game the algorithm. So, 
don't blame the algorithm if uh, you know. Don't hate the you know the the player, hate the game, as it were, uh, because if the algorithm catches you doing something else or what it perceives to be something else that that's somewhat shady, um, you know, then uh, you're probably going to get dinged. It's it's really important a, a lot of times for these people before they wave a big flag is to really take a close look at their site, and and you never know. Uh, maybe someone just inadvertently uh, read an article that, and thought that something that was good to do uh, was actually something that's sort of bad or considered a spammy technique. And, and you don't know how many developers have worked on the site over the lifetime of the site. Um, there's so many factors that go into why it, it may be, quote-unquote, condemned to Google hell that, that it's hard to really put the, uh, the omen and, and the blame on Google, I think. Um, it's sad because... Google is so important, and that if you're not, you know, then you are sort of condemned, as it were. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of needed. <laughs> right, right. You know, what? I'm thinking um, we have a special guest coming on, Todd from StuntDouble uh, dot com, Todd Malicote. So I'm thinking we'll go into a commercial break, get him on, and then continue with our other topics after that. So let's hit a commercial break now, and we'll get Todd on shortly. Sit tight and don't move. The Pulse. We'll be back after this short break. How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? Hey, all we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50% the highest payouts on the net and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. JoeBucks.com. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on GenieKnows.com. Install a search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, GenieKnows.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our referral program. GenieKnows has delivered results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. Now, back to The Pulse, Pulse. only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, and welcome back to the 29th edition of The Search Pulse. Again, today is Tuesday, May 8th, and with me is Chris Boggs, and Chris Boggs will have the honor of introducing our next guest. Um, Chris, do you want to introduce Sure. Uh, well, everyone, we've got a special treat uh, tonight. I'm glad you've been able to come down here to Birdland. Uh, we have come in from uh, straight out of the dirty north, uh, Todd Malicote, also known as Stunt Double, from StuntDouble.com. He's a well-known consultant. Uh, he's a great guy and uh, knows a lot about SEO. Um, has pretty much a, a really uh, well-respected view when it comes to linking, especially. Um, he cut his teeth in the uh, Jim Boykin school, uh, and maybe a little bit before that, but um, we're glad to have him on tonight to discuss the topic. Uh, Todd, welcome. I, I hear you're going to be having some sort of uh, SEO class coming up soon. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Hey, um, how are you? 
real good. Sounds Did like, I tell you uh, for a loop that's going into class? In right sounds there. like uh, you guys got a great show going. Thanks. Thank you, and it's nice to have you here, Todd. And um, you want to talk a little bit about your class that you're offering? Uh, yeah, we're, we're actually, we ended up postponing a little bit. So um, we are going to do a, a kind of just a smaller SEO kind of seminar thing. Um, we were planning for um, the 18th and 19th and had some issues come up, so we're kind of rescheduling. I'm looking at probably late June. Uh, we're not real sure at this point yet. Uh, nothing definitive, but um, but yeah, it should be a good time. We did a pro bono one uh, for some nonprofits just to kind of kick off the class and uh, test out the material and give everybody a trial run, and it uh, went real well and had some great feedback on it. Looking forward to the next one. That's cool. a great thing. Uh, I mean, there's lots of uh, educational initiatives out there. I know Simpo has one. The DMA has one. Uh, there's, you know, lots of, uh, of people that are willing to teach others the arts of uh, SEO and SEM, which is really important. And one of those arts, uh, actually one of the reasons we brought you on to talk today, uh, with thanks again for coming on, uh, is uh, a, a topic that uh, Tamar wrote up on the second, uh, how do you obtain links from .edu sites? So um, I'm not going to go too far into the topic, but there's a Creative Site Forums post that talks about, uh, um, you know, the the idea that EDU sites have a higher quote-unquote inherent trust, and I think it's kind of funny that Tamar linked that since that's such a controversial topic in itself. Uh, but uh, I'd like to just get your ideas. Did you get a chance to read uh, through that uh, forum at all um, on on that post, Todd? Yeah, yeah, I did, and um, I think the first thing you brought up is probably the the best thing to address, at least briefly first. Um, my view on the the whole trust issue is that there's kind of there's there's two levels of of trust when it comes to the domain. You know, there's the global the global level, and then kind of the page level. And um, people started to get the impression that hey, if we just get EDU links, um, it's really going to help our site, which is true to an extent. Um, but slapping up a whole bunch of new EDUs on on some random students. Um, section that's never had content there before is probably going to be of much more limited value than getting links on something that's been there for for a existing amount of time. Um, so that's that's kind of that controversial first subject that you that you had um, kind of touched upon there. And, and so it's not just a matter of getting any old EDU anywhere. You don't just get an EDU. Right. Um, so I think a lot the what where that comes from is kind of the the index age almost of the page. Um, so when it was first indexed, something that was indexed years ago is going to be more valuable than if you just put up a page today and, and slap okay. a bunch of stuff on it. And then, um, you know, if in the past, and I know, of course, you may not, you want to maybe conceal some of your methodologies, but what are some ways that you've maybe found or searches you've conducted to help you find uh, uh, nice EDU links that may be able to help someone out and actually also be relevant and thus not really game but help the algorithm, as I like to say? Sure. Um, yeah, i got to say, when you first asked me, I kind of shuddered a little bit and went, you know, oh, do I really want to talk about get, you know, getting EDU links? And um, I think overall it's, it's just like any... Um, any link methodology of how, how well you apply it and, and everything else. Um, and certainly there's a lot of benefit there. Uh, the, the thing that I would say, and I'll try to paint a broad sweeping stroke, I guess, uh, with a lot of the technique, um, 
is is really to narrow down the demographics. So um, with any link baiting exercise, you know, whether you're, uh, I guess any linking exercise, uh, whether it's link baiting where you're trying to produce content for a specific audience to then link to it, or you're requesting those links, you really have to know that person on the other end um, that's going to be reading that content or reading that link request. Um, so the first thing is really to uh, look for you know, get some ideas of what the demographic is looking for. Um, so say you're a law site, you really want to get links from law students or law professors. Um, really kind of put yourself in their shoes and, and look at what they would be looking for or what they would be interested in. Um, and so that's that's really the first the first step in the process. Uh, from there, I think you really, if you're, if you're talking about link development and just kind of asking for links, um, or even maybe buying links, uh, you, you have to start putting together some creative queries to, to find the quality ones. Um, the reference I always give for that, that type of creative query is a site, um, I forget the specific site, but if you punch in uh, Google dorks into Google, uh, it'll give you this list of basically a, a bunch of hackers that um, find exploits using Google and thank God, finally, Google shut this, the site, not the site down, but the actual queries down uh, because they were getting real creative with the, the stuff they were able to find that was indexed by Google, you know, by accident or by whatever other you know, means that it got indexed, and they were wow. finding, you know, passwords and all kinds of other stuff. Wow. Uh, and another quick question. a really interesting on... site to, figure, uh, to check out and uh, start thinking up creative queries anyway for okay, I'm looking for a specific piece of information, what might be on that page that was indexed, and then mm -hmm. finding it that way. So, yeah, especially if you're a blogger or a writer and you're, you remember something you read a few uh, years ago even, uh, that can help you find that. Right. Is that what so you're saying? If you, yeah, yeah. If you, um, if you maybe find a surf, certain type of page that's a real great place to get a link that's going to be of high quality to your site, um, uh -huh look at the common elements on that and maybe a half a dozen other pages that you got links from and, and look at uh, them and say, uh, what, what are the common aspects here that, that I would be able to find these through a search engine? So the, the common aspects, a more concrete example of that would be in the past SEOs used um, add URL or directory or add site. Um, those right, kind right. of keywords concatenated with whatever your keywords are. Okay. One last quick one. Uh, students, um, you know, there's, I guess, a lot of the students, uh, those were the people that capitalized a lot on the EDU craze uh, that's kind of been hitting the SEO scene for the last, you know, well over a year, I would say. Uh, do you think that Google has uh, singled out and, and probably devalued student pages? Um, I, I would be surprised that m my guess is, would be that they kind of did similar to the way they've done with reciprocal links um, and grandfathered old stuff in and, you know, realized they kind of created this new problem and they're not going to let it continue to be a problem. Um, so they, they may have devalued, you know, stuff with the tilde or, you know, any pages that are new on a, newer on an EDU site. Um, I, I would imagine they, they put some protection in place to uh, to keep it from continually being abused. Okay. Very good. Uh, well, I was just going to ask uh, Barry if you had any comments uh, and, and yeah, a question. And my one comment, well, first, like Todd, thank you very much. And the next comment is that I have been, uh, you know, I have a blog, and I'm sure you do, you do too, and 
the amount of comments that I get from .edu domains is increasing every day. So um, obviously really? there's those XSX exploits, there's the student pages, there's lots of ways of spammers can go ahead and get links. Um, and it seems like it's getting easier for um, common spammers to find and create pages on .edu sites um, on a day-to-day -day basis. But um, getting those real links from you know, maybe non-student pages and getting links from, um, you know, EDU pages that, you know, get enough traffic and have enough authority, like you were talking about, that could be a really, um, you know, valuable link. And I agree with everything you said. So um, thank you very much for your time and everything. Yeah, thanks right. for having me. Uh, can I ask one, one last quick question too, Barry, while we got him here? Yep. We got time? Sure. Are we going? Okay, one last one, uh, Todd. What's your general opinion on the buying links thing and the whole uh, spiel that's been going on there? Do you vote, yay, we should be able to buy links, uh, or uh, nay, we shouldn't be able to buy links? I wonder what your vote will be. <laughs> You're setting me up on this one, right? <laughs> uh, that, that was lobbed right up there for me. Um, yeah, I'm definitely in the pro paid linking camp. Uh, I've had the discussion with, with several Googlers, and, it, it, you know, in my estimation, for the most part, just about every link at some level is, is paid for in one way or another, whether it be time or energy or um, whatever it is. And, it, you know, it, as more and more people realize the value of links, it's much more difficult for commercial sites to be competitive without buying links. Um, let's see. <laughs> I don't even know where to start that whole diatribe there. Um, uh, I think I think why? that's probably enough, Todd. I don't want to cut you <laughs> off, but we uh, I, I do have a post on the subject uh, about not being a link communist. Oh, that's I, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you, you're in the uh, chat room, why don't you go ahead and post the URL there? Sure and that's available at stuntdouble.com, right? Yep. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Todd. We're going to move on to some other subjects now, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Todd. Appreciate it. Um, okay, so I appreciate Todd. He's, you can go ahead and check him out at stuntdouble.com. Um, I'll post a, in our recap, I'll post a link to his website, and you can learn a lot of information about link building and other co topics on SEO and social media from his website over at stuntdouble.com. Um, let's talk about one more topic, and then we'll go into a commercial break. Um, the Google AdSense team has addressed ad placement issues. Um, what that means is over at the Google blog, they, Google AdSense blog, they went ahead and tightened up some of their terms of service and how you could place your ads and where you could place them. And Google AdSense team said they discouraged users from placing ads in close proximity to macromedia flash games, um, under pop-ups or download prompts, near navigational controls on your page, such as drop-downs or menu links. Now, I know you see it all the time. You see navigational links, and right under those navigational links, you see um, what, they're, what are called, um, uh, what are they called? They're called text links. They're um, basically links to AdSense that actually send you to more AdSense. And it's pretty interesting how that happens, and that used to be a very, very popular way to increase your click-through rate is by making people think that your AdSense links are actually links um, in your navigation. This way people click on them and they think it's, you're clicking on nav navigational links, but actually they're clicking on, you know, ads. And now Google has seemed to be discouraging placement of the ads in that location as well as near flash games and stuff like that because people might accidentally click on those things and that's what they don't want, which makes sense to me. I'm a big fan. I'm happy they actually went ahead and did this. I'm all for it. Um, 
but now there's a lot more confusion about it. Um, I know, Chris, you're not a big AdSense person, but from conceptually, you know, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, what's really funny is I heard someone kind of almost blabbing and bragging about where to place your AdSense ads, and it was on some panel at SES, and they said one of the best, where's the highest click place on for, for AdSense, and it's on the lower right side of the page, and the reason is, is because it's right next to the scroll down bar, and he wasn't talking about people being confused uh, uh, in that uh, they didn't, they thought it was a navigational element, but it's actually people that hit and click and miss with the with the mouse and are trying to click down. But you know, essentially, is if you don't hit that little small down arrow and you, you hit the ad, then voila, you've got some click. So um, I was just waiting for some sort of announcement from Google to come out and say, uh, you know, we've decided to stop allowing uh, ads near the any navigational elements, and voila, here they are. So uh, I think that uh, whoever was talking about that at SES may have, have rang the alarm on that one. Good going. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> no, I think it's a good thing. And um, let's go ahead and take a commercial break, and we'll have some more topics including another topic on AdSense. We'll hit a commercial break, and again, thank you, Todd, for your time. Sit tight and don't move. The Pulse will be back after this short break. Enjoying top payouts and unparalleled affiliate support is as easy as XY7.com. Just call 1-866-XY7-PAYS and see how it pays to join XY7 for increased conversions and higher revenue via the newest and hottest ad campaigns. Call 1-866-XY7-PAYS today or sign up at XY7.com and find out why thousands of other successful affiliate marketers already know. So don't wait. Call now. 1-866-XY7-PAYS. Pays. That's 1-866-XY7-PAYS. XY7.com. The only ad network you'll ever need to get paid. XY7.com. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? Clicksore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from Clicksore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on Clicksore.com today. That's Clicksore.com. Your bottom line will thank you. Clicksore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. Attention, WebmasterRadio.fm loyal listeners and our premium podcasters. If you are experiencing trouble listening or downloading from WebmasterRadio.fm, you can help us help you help you. Email us at support at WebmasterRadio.fm. That's support at WebmasterRadio.fm. Our staff will go into action to fix broken links, podcast, and streaming issues. WebmasterRadio.fm is dedicated to providing the most optimized listening experience anywhere. WebmasterRadio.fm is proud to stream our first class program by providing multiple listen live links on our homepage via our new content delivery network, Akamai. Help us to keep everyone in the B2B business world connected to webmasterradio.fm. Now, back to The Pulse. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. 
So, welcome back to the Search Pulse 29th edition. Today is Tuesday, May 8th. With me is Chris Boggs. Ben again is not with us today. He's making some money with a client. In any event, the next topic I wanted to discuss was about Google AdSense. Um, I found a great thread over over at um, Digital Point Forms who had a poll. Currently, not currently, but this morning it had 130 responses, which is a huge sampling, in my opinion, um, of AdSense publishers. And you know, everybody knows that Digital Point Forms has a huge AdSense for uh, AdSense publisher following. And what that meant was, I mean, basically the poll asked people how much the money they made. Again, this is not a scientific study; it's not so representative, but it is, you know, a study of people who are actively. Um, AdSense publishers who actually put a lot of effort into it, and we can actually see how much those people, that type of, those types of people, actually make um, with their AdSense earnings. And here are the numbers. Um, about what's it called? Here we go. So about uh, if you look at it, 67% claim that they actually actually earn more than $100 per month with Google AdSense. 35% say they earn $500 or more per month. A whopping 23% earn, say they earn over $1,000 or more a month. Um, only 4% say they earn about $10,000 or, or more a month. So the numbers seem to be high. Um, the numbers seem to be pretty high. Um, I mean, anybody who puts a little effort into AdSense, uh, I think, can make quite a few, definitely over $100 a month. I don't, I don't see why they can't if they put a little effort into it. Um, there's definitely very easy ways to make money using AdSense. Um, but you can't just put up a blog, post on it once a week, and then expect to make, you know, over $100. You'll make a few pennies a month if you just do that. So I think that the numbers aren't too off. A lot of people, it was a pretty big controversial thing when I posted it. People were, like, actually swearing at me about it. How could you post these numbers? Um, they're not scientific. But, I mean, they're saying, you know, most people don't even make a few pennies a month. I'm like, those people, I don't consider AdSense publishers. It's like, you know, signing up for something that you never use, and you can't consider somebody who signs up for something that they never use an actual, um, you know, subscriber of something like that. So I think the numbers are pretty solid. I don't, you know, obviously some people probably lied in the study, uh, and the poll's still going on now, but I, I found it pretty interesting, and I thought I posted because there were a lot of responses. 130 responses is nothing to laugh at, in my opinion. And these are registered user responses. So, Chris, what are your thoughts about this overall? Uh, my thoughts are it is funny how it did uh, elicit some strong response. It, it gives you an idea. Of, I mean, there's a fair amount of lurkers that read uh, the Search Engine Roundtable because sometimes on a topic like this, they'll just come out of the woods and be like, I don't know, uh, you know, seems like a fall cry. And then there's, of course, your regulars that uh, will come in there and, and rake rake you over the coals. I think it's a pretty good poll. Uh, it's, it, you totally say that it's not scientific. I mean, the first question I was thinking of was, how many of these people have more than one, or, you know, what's the average number or average income per site per month? You know, so, I mean, right there, I, there's one basic question I have is, you know, maybe these people that are earning 10000 bucks have 100 sites or 1,000 sites or their shoe money. Um, and so... It, it, to me, it's a, it's a it's a cool subject. It's fun, and uh, it's another reason that uh, it's another link I can send to my wife and tell her that we, she needs to start her blog that I, I'm going to get going for her. Right, and in the chat room, they're saying the poll skewed is only people voting on it are only people who are regular AdSense earners. And okay, fine. So let's say it's a study of people who um, AdSense publishers that are regular earners, and of those regular earners, how much are they making? You know, that's what really people have to look at. 
saying if I want to be a regular AdSense publisher, a regular user, a regular earner of money from AdSense, what do I have to do and what can I expect? And my opinion, I see no reason why a regular AdSense publisher cannot earn over $100 a month. I mean, I think they could do that. I don't think, I don't think it's so far-fetched. So it was a great, I mean, drove a lot of discussion, and I thought one of the, one of the better threads out there, at least specifically today that I posted up. Um, talking about contextual ads, Microsoft made a uh, big uh, change to their terms and conditions. And I wrote about that last week. It basically, they basically changed things that said Microsoft Ad Center may use other matching criteria other than keyword searches to display ads. But that means, and I thought what that meant, and we spoke about it last week, was that, um, was that basically Microsoft used other things such as you know the content network to actually boost, um, boost you know trigger ads that are found within the Ad Center network. So Microsoft went ahead and said that. And what I found interesting was that AdCenter former went and went in there and he basically said something similar, and I'll quote it. He says, as we develop and launch new products, you may need to modify your AdSense accounts to adjust your participation in, to your desired level, i.e., turn off participation, modify bids, etc. We intend to keep you informed about new products and services and any significant changes to your services. For example, as we continue to offer our content ad product to new participants, we will email advertisers in advance to notify them about how they may turn off content advertising. So basically, it's their way of saying, you know, we are going to go ahead and give out content ads, and there's a lot more people are going to start using content ads in the future. Do not go ahead and get upset about you know advertisers. Don't get upset if you're getting links, you're getting um, you know traffic from the content network. You have the responsibility, according to our terms and conditions, that you have to turn them off yourself. Um, What's interesting is it's not just limited to content ads. It's also limited to, to, you know, Microsoft said clearly that they want to put ads in Xbox games. They want to put ads in their Microsoft applications. They want to put ads in their live network and all these different things out there. So the content, the, the ad center ads could be found in many different places triggered by not just keyword searches but contextual components or other things such as display ads and all these types of different, all these different types of ways to, display, to trigger out these ads. And as an advertiser, you have to be aware that you have to be on top of these things, and Microsoft will, you know, let you know beforehand, um, but not so much beforehand. So you have to be, have, you have to make sure to subscribe to the Ad Center blog, read the things that are going on, and make sure that you know what's going on at all times. Otherwise, you might be paying for traffic that you don't necessarily want. Um, I think that sums it up, Chris. I mean, what are your thoughts overall on that? Uh, well, I just have one real thought on it, and, and that's I've been pissed off plenty of times uh, when I've gone into a Google account uh, that's on a light management schedule, and uh, something's changed, and suddenly the content match has been on, and it's been on for you know two weeks or something like that. Um, so I would say that uh, MSN is not doing anything new here. Right, right. You're, you're 100 percent right, and Google has done it. Yahoo has done it. Um, it's not nothing new, but Microsoft just sends out a term and condition, so it's pretty interesting to look at you know, the response about that. In any event, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it happens all the time, and you should be aware of it. Mm -hmm. The next thing that you don't normally see happen often, especially with Google, is our ads that are missing their title. So if you did a search on, uh, here's an example given at, in our blog was Kaplan. You do a search in Google on Kaplan, and out comes an ad for captest.com, but the title of the ad it's missing, so you really have nowhere to click. It's pretty interesting. I looked at the source code, and it's simply an ARF, and it's closed by an ARF. Um, 
but there's nothing in the actual anchor text area. So there's no anchor text to click on. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Um, AdWord uh, Advisor um, also thought it was interesting. He said he was going to have his tech folks take a look at it. Um, I'm going to bring up the ad right now, and I don't see it coming up for me right now. Um, it looks like the whole captest.com ad is completely gone. So no, it's all invisible now. Chris, have you ever seen that before or no? No, I'm saying that the now on the search is the entire thing's invisible. They've gotten, they've succeeded in getting the ah. title, description, and link. It's actually there under the eBay ad. Oh, but it's just completely, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. completely invisible. This is one of those bad cases of where SEO has gone bad and they've succeeded in getting white on white, <laughs> but unfortunately they put it in their sponsored link, so it's not helping them out much. <laughs> That's cool. my joke yeah, answer so. for the day, in case you didn't catch that. <laughs> Every show I have to do one joke answer, and sometimes you and Ben don't laugh, but I figure out there somewhere there's someone laughing. <laughs> I'm sure there are. And then we can listen to it over and over again and keep laughing every single time because, yes, these, right. these are archives. So. Um, all right, next thing. And I'm sorry if I sound kind of tired. I just got back from the dentist, and I had to keep my mouth open for like an hour straight. So, And if you're interested in that, I did blog about that and Twitter about it. And I know, Chris, you have some questions about Twitter. So maybe any, I think people in chat room might be interested in Twitter. So you wanted to go off on a tangent and talk about Twittering for the next five minutes until we go into a commercial break? Uh, it's totally up to you, Barry. Uh, to me, it's something that's new that I've seen here and there. And, and I saw your Twitter, quote-unquote, feed or something, and it interested me. But it's one of those things that I'm probably not going to have time to learn how to do. But I'm interested in knowing what it's all about and if there's any SEO value to it. <laughs> right. All right, let's talk about Twitter for a little bit, and then we'll go into other things. Twitter is basically a new um, social media website. You go to twitter.com, you sign up, and basically it's a way of blogging, but it's blogging short. So, for example, you subscribe um, to twitter.com. I subscribed under Rusty Brick. That's my profile. Barry? Um, yes. Barry? Really quick, there's someone that posted it as being a blog with Tourette syndrome uh, in the chat room, <laughs> just so right. you know. Does that sound right? Right. It makes 100%, yeah, it's a great way of putting it because you have a blogger who wants to blog something, but yet you can't write a whole long post about it, so he'll just, like, snap quickly and say, you have 140 characters or less in your Twitter, so you can't say mm. a whole five paragraphs about it, so you just quickly, like, snap something out on your keyboard. Like, I went to dentist, and bam, it's, that's like a, a Twitter, that's called a Twitter or something. You, twit you twitted something. And what you see now is Nick Wilson. I don't know if you know Nick Wilson from Threadwatch. He's a founder. Now he's on other things. He's actually tw he actually twittered about his wife getting in, uh, going into uh, you know into labor and they're at the hospital and they're giving birth. And he's been twittering the whole event. I twittered from Gary Price's wedding on Sunday. Danny and I are actually sitting there twittering. I'm on the left side of the ceremony. He's on the right side of the ceremony at the pride. And we're like saying, all right, people are walking down the aisle now. Um, Gary's breaking the glass, you know, um, you know, they just, you know, got married or whatever. It's kind of a quick way of Twittering. And what we were talking about when it comes to, you know, po posting links into Twitter, um, Danny and I, New York Times and TechCrunch and all these different sites out there have a Twitter profile. So for us, it's twitter.com slash SE Roundtable. And if you subscribe or what they call follow the Search Engine Roundtable Twitter account, you'll get automatically um, the title and the link to that post as soon or within 10 minutes of us uh, blogging about it. So if you don't like RSS but you prefer Twitter, you can actually go ahead and subscribe or follow our Twitter accounts, and you'll be notified via twitter.com 
that we have posted a new thread, and that's where it comes into handy. People love um, following things. Um, I know it sends a significant amount of traffic, not a ton amount of traffic, but a significant amount of traffic to both the Search Engine Roundtable and to Search Engine Land. Um, but that's because we have a following that uses Twitter a lot, and also we can encourage them to actually subscribe to our profiles on Twitter. So there is a benefit in terms of getting traffic, and obviously the more traffic you get, the more links you get, and the more people that see the things, the more links you get, and yada, yada. So that's where Twitter comes in. Do um, you have any quick questions? Or? Um, and that's interesting. So where is this? Is this stored and archived anywhere? Do people have to... Uh, people have to subscribe to you. So I, what I'm wondering is if you could just spam your Twitter with links out of curiosity. Not that I would ever do such a thing, but uh, would it get archived, and would that ever be uh, if the rest of the conversation around that particular time was related to the topic that the link was? I'm, you know, just digging here. Just curious. Right. So you don't really talk around. Like, everybody has their profile, and you twit, and you actually write in your profile, and people who follow you, they have to actually say, I want to follow this person. They'll see what you're saying in your profile. So you might have a conversation with people back and forth only if they're watching you and only if you're watching them. Otherwise, you won't see what you're talking about. Um, in addition, if you're just spamming, people are not going to follow you anymore. So they'll drop you. You're not, they're not going to see what you're writing, so it won't do you any benefit. Kind of like uh-huh. a co-op type of thing, but um, a little okay. bit different. Anyway, let's hit a commercial break now. Um, we'll talk about the rest offline, and we'll get into new topics as we get back. So let's hit a commercial break. tight and don't move the pulse pulse we'll be back after this short break we have major traffic tie-ups on the 101 and we have an onlooker delay due to what looks like a new show on webmaster keep your hands on the wheel because webmasterradio.fm is going to help you create buzz through social media and will accelerate your servers into a head-on collision of information webmasterradio.fm presents rush hour wednesdays at 4 p.m eastern 1 p.m pacific our host neil and cameron will help you get the upper hand to find the links you need so that your company is in bumper to bumper traffic Rush Hour, the right kind of traffic. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. It's a no-brainer. Reaching customers everywhere they search is smart business. However, reaching them through web and mobile search, as well as free directory assistance with effective pay-per-call advertising is... Well, ingenious. Ingenio PaperCall delivers highly targeted phone call leads to businesses looking for new customers. And the advertising business only pays per new customer lead. Call 1-800-705-0632 today to ask about your free trial or go to Ingenio.com slash webradio. That's Ingenio.com slash webradio. Ingenio. Simply ingenious. Boys and you girls too. I'm here to talk to you about Milnick Media, the best CPA network, period. They sure know how to deliver, and I know something about deliverance. Now, you want to get paid? Damn right you do. We'll make sure you get your money. Milnick Media's got support people who know their ass from their elbow. Need a new jet ski? How about one of them new fangled plasma TVs? Well, cousin Jeremy here will hook you up with our performance rewards program. Email submits, zip submits, ringtones. Hell, we got them all! Yeehaw! 
Hey there, it's Cousin Jeremy. Get on over to M-I-L-L-N-I-C-Media.com and we'll have you so happy, you'll be squealing like a pig. Now, back to The Pulse, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, and welcome back to the Search Pulse. My name is Barry Schwartz, and with me is Chris Boggs. Um, Chris, um, as you know, um, this week the Yahoo Overture suggest- Keyword Suggestion Tool has kind of slowed down to a big halt, and Yahoo came out with a statement explaining why it has. Um, in short... Yahoo said they're going to no longer continue supporting the Overture tool. Um, they said, since launch of the new sponsor search system, Yahoo Search Marketing no longer suppo- supports the tool. Therefore, the data is not reflective of the true volume of traffic throughout the network. Um, basically, they're saying with the new tools they'll be providing new, with the new Panama system, they'll be providing new tools, et cetera, et cetera. Yahoo did say they will be updating the tool one more and one last time to show January 2000 data. Um, but in the future, people should use the Panama. Use, within Panama, people should use their APIs to get data such as performance and cost and other things like that. Chris, what are your thoughts overall on this announcement? Well, you know, it's the death of uh, something that wasn't all that awesome. So, uh, oh, you know, the Overture Keyword Suggestion Tool was something that was at best an estimator. Uh, it's just, uh, to me, uh, one more reason. Uh, and, you know, there's some tools out there you can buy. Uh, and, and that you can find also for free that give you some suggestions and suggested volumes. But the best way to do this is to really, if you can afford it, to have a, a nice full-on uh, paid search campaign running for a few months, and even if possible for a year, to try to get an idea of uh, your seasonality uh, adjustments and so forth. And that, that's how you're going to you know, really get uh, great data, uh, is, getting, is tracking your impressions with some good uh, analytics system through paid. Agreed, agreed. Good, good, good points you made there. Um, all right, let's move on to the next topic. Um, are directories useful for search engine optimizations or optimizers? optimizers? Um, are, they use, are they useful for your SEO rankings? And which are ideal for that purpose? There's a great thread over creative site forums on it. And Eagle, a moderator over there, wrote ahead and, went ahead and said, if it is a directory where anyone can add their link, then the value of that link from that directory would be very low to none. However, if it's a very selective directory, Every site is in high quality, and the value of that link could be very high. Obviously, could be words like that are used. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts overall on this topic of directory links? Uh, you know, this comes up and gets dragged up every once in a while. Uh, there's always usually a few spammers here and there that, that, that visit a few of the forums whenever this gets talked about and drop their links to their unbeatable directory lists and so forth. But the, the bottom line, in my opinion, is that the only unbeatable directory list has about three to maybe four directories on it. And then after that, you need to be looking for personal niche directory directories to specific topics uh, that are actually getting rankings and that are showing up in competitor backlinks or uh, even in some cases for longer tail search uh, terms uh, of, of some of the terms you're trying to optimize for. So you need to really treat directories as any other uh, link building efforts and, and be very, um, you know, uh, unique to uh, each client and, and, and how you're going to approach uh, uh, getting directory listings. Cool. That's some good advice. Um, we were just talking about Twitter just before, and just want to reach out and say, Nick Wilson, congratulations. They just had a baby, and let me just read to you the Twitter he just said. Um, she had no painkillers. 
gave birth in water, and it was so fast I almost missed it because I was in the bathroom. <laughs> wow. They said, back from the hospital, the name is Daniel James, born at 8.15 p.m. in the U.K., weighs 3.5 kilograms. Mom is doing good and is catching up on email before bed. How funny is that? <laughs> anyway, this is like he's blogging, he's Twittering his whole entire, you know. If I did that, I'd probably be dead right now. My wife probably kill me. Um, but in any event, um, that's pretty cool. Congratulations, Nick, and uh, best, best wishes to Daniel. Yeah, that's great. Barry, if I could quickly add, uh, there's someone in the chat room, Shandy King. He's expecting a baby, I think, in September or sometime. And then uh, my wife and I are actually expecting our second child in uh, late October. So it's, it's baby time again. Lots of babies. Maybe I have to. Uh, you you and your wife better get kicking. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll keep you guys posted. Nothing on the uh, radar yet, of course. But, um, I'll first Twitter it out, and if you're watching me on Twitter, you'll be able to find out. <laughs> so go ahead and subscribe. Twitter.com slash Rusty Brick and Twitter.com slash SE Roundtable. And hopefully, Chris, you'll have a Twitter account soon. Um, all right, one more topic um, the Gray Page Rank score. Um, Basically, I named this post the return of the gray page rank score in the Google toolbar. A lot of people are noticing that the color gray has come back to the toolbar uh, where it shows the page rank score. Back in the, in the old days, um, a gray toolbar color was a notice that, um, oh, what was specifically, it was really stay away. If it was gray, it meant keep away from the site, do not ask for links, do not be listed on the site, while a white color meant that the site has not been indexed, but would be soon. It's not a, it's not a, a terrible sign. So this color has come back, and people are not sure what to do with it, and a lot of people are just saying, you know, it's just Google updating their thing, and it's nothing really. There's a lot of, you know, real sites, including SE Roundtable for new pages that have not been indexed yet, show a gray toolbar um, color. Chris, have you seen anything with that, or nothing much really? No, I, I really haven't had a chance to look at this one, Barry. Okay. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was the YouTube and how they're going to go ahead and start offering their, some of their publishers, the ones that create the videos, um, a share in the revenue, um, you know, of putting ads in there. So Google said they're going to go ahead and put pre-rolled ads, like, I don't know, X second long ads that roll before the actual video starts playing in YouTube. And to help make this acceptable, they said, you know, we'll share the revenue with those who create the videos and with some of the people. And now, um, over the YouTube blog, you actually get a link to actually start participating in this partner program, which they're calling it. And there's a link to it out at the Search and Roundtable. Um, and there's a partnership leadership for it. Just go to youtube.com slash P-A-R-T-P-R-O underscore about. So part pro underscore about. And you'll be able to go ahead and find out more information about how to get more information about the YouTube partner program. It's again, or you go to youtube.com slash part pro underscore sign up. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts about this move? I think it's really cool. I think this should really uh, be an eye opener to uh, the traditional media companies out there, and they better be getting some people that are good at this and to, to somehow infiltrate the system, as it were. I'm not, you know, advocating that only big media can do. Uh, can can run anything properly, but I think it would be great to have some some big media in there and 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 maybe uh, force them to kind of get in their hands and knees and crawl around for a little while. If that makes sense. No, definitely. Um, should be interesting to see how this works. I can't wait to actually see it in action. 
Um, all right, we have no more. We have four minutes left, so let's go into lightning round, and then we'll uh, close up the show. Ta-da. <laughs> Great. Thank you both. Uh, we had the official and the Chris version of the... Uh, well, Chris is the original version, so Chris is the official, Thanks. and we had the Webmaster Radio version of the lightning round intro. Anyway, Google AdWords interface has slowed down to a halt. A lot of people have noticed last week that when you logged into AdWords and managing campaigns, it actually slowed down a ter- terribly. I think Google has fixed most of the problems, so hopefully you won't see that again. Um, Google has been testing blog search results in Google.com. So if you do a search on Google and it triggered at the bottom of the page some blog search results, which was interesting, the first time that has been seen. Uh, Google News has added a new sorting option. In the past, you were able to sort by um, date and also sort by relevancy. You can now also sort by um, date, but also ex- with show duplicates. So a lot of people want to see multiple sources with duplicate content, not just duplicate content, but duplicate stories, uh, within the same day range, you can now do that, which is pretty useful. Uh, Microsoft has been spotted using IntelliText ads, you know, those ads that you see within the text itself, to promote their search engine, Live.com. Um, we also looked at our, we also discussed when is the optimal time to implement a 301 redirect from SEO standpoint, um, and we discussed that that's in the in the blog. Uh, we talked about link exchanges and how they are beneficial or not beneficial. Uh, we looked at Google Reader and how they improved the, uh, their reader by adding an email feature. So now you can actually email stories directly from Google Reader, and it's actually integrated with your Gmail account, which is pretty nifty. Um, we asked our XML sitemaps um, a welcoming door for scrapers. Basically, an XML file allows scrapers to quickly find new content and content on your site, and does that help scrapers actually get to your content and steal it? Um, that's a question out there. Also, Google product search results are found in Google.com. So Google, who went out and said, we do not want to index any search results in our search engine, have been indexing their own product search results, and Google went ahead and excluded that after the fact. After Danny spotted it, he actually went ahead and removed it from the index. Um, we also looked at the impact of changing your registrar data, if that has any impact on search rankings or not. We looked at who's using Google Web History since it's been launched. We also looked at Yahoo has integrated their search, their lyrics database into the search results. So if you do a search on, let's say, Neil Young lyrics, up comes some lyrics uh, from the performer Neil Young, and we have more examples of that over the blog. Um, we also posted on an Adam Lasnik from Google uh, interview that was done with him, and he talked about pay links, Google content, and some other Google topics that might be interesting to SEOs. Finally, we also talked about Google AdSense optimization reports and how the same report is repetitive over and over again. So they gave me, let's say, six optimization uh, reports since January, and every single one has the same exact tip, and they all read, add more ads. (laughs) So it's pretty funny. Anyway, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. That wraps up the 29th edition of the Search Balls. Again, I hope to post a recap tomorrow after the show is archived at seroundtable.com. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us and a comment to the post. Again, that's the 29th edition of the Search Pulse. It took place Tuesday, May 8th. I'd like to thank Chris and Todd over at StuntDouble.com. And thank you very much, Chris. And um, hopefully we'll all get back together next week at um, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday. Everyone have a great night. <laughs>